on this week's episode of the Superhero Hour Hour. Who will win Best Supporting Actress? Are Jesus and Tulip the sexiest couple since Cassidy and Tulip? Are these babies actually homicidal? Find out right now! Welcome to the Superhero Hour Hour. This is the only podcast on the internet where we talk about every live-action television show that is based on a comic book or a comic book property. I am your host for the evening. My name is Taylor. With me, as always, is Ryan. Hey, Taylor. Hey, how's it going, buddy? It's, it's so good. I'm so happy to be here today on this particular episode. Why this particular episode? I don't know, but I don't feel like I'm lying right now when I say, good to be here. Hey! Good to be here. You know what? That's that's the kind of attitude that I appreciate. It, it feels good for me to be here. I'm glad that you're here. We're going to have a good show. I feel it. And if you notice, um, when I said, hey, I'm glad to be here. Taylor, it's good to see you. Nose isn't bleeding. Yeah. You know, typically when I say that, it's because I'm full of shit. And I don't have the kind of bloody nose where it's like one tiny stream. No, no, I'm no, not no, 11 no. from Stranger Things. Like, it is gushing. You've My got, nose is the elevator from The Shining. You've got, like, an anime dude who just saw boobs, like, spray of blood every time you say anything to me. And I think that's why I don't like doing the podcast with you, if I'm honest. Did you think that it was just anytime I'm talking to you? Or do you, like, is it a surprise to you that that means that I was lying every single time? That, I, it checks out. It's one of those things that, like, I didn't know it. Like, I didn't know that I knew it. You but didn't know the as, words to it, like, yeah. Like, as soon as you said it out loud, I was like, yeah, that checks out. That's what I do with every movie conversation I have. That's how, like, I sound so smart about movies is somebody will say something. And I'll be like, oh, that's what I was thinking in my head. And everybody's like, they're equally smart. Yeah. Well, that's it's better than the inverse of you say the thing, and then everyone's like, yeah, everyone who has ever thought about this thing has said that exact thing that you thought was an original thought. Those I know so many people like that who they just, they don't even read movie reviews they go to rotten tomato and just read like the the little blurb that's at the top which is basically the amalgamation of all the reviews oh yeah and then at parties social gatherings cocktail hours these are the things that i do in my elite life um they'll just spout those off they'll recite those as if they were new original thoughts and you know what? That does very well for people. And I know, I, dude. And I'm, it makes me wonder, why am I b- taking so much effort and doing things the hard way? I should just be phoning it in. Doing things the hard way, like actually watching the movie. Yeah. You don't have to do that anymore. Read the little blurb, go to the party, amaze the crowd. But I enjoyed Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Yeah, but you don't bring that, that up at parties, do you? <laughs> Absolutely. That's I'm, how you're going to get thrown out on your tuxedoed ass. The only thing that I've talked about for the last six months is how good Godzilla, King of the Monsters is. But honestly, what is more frustrating, though? The fact that you actually sit there and watch the movie, take your notes, close watch, you know, really get in there, um, and they don't. Or that they're so successful still at parties. Like, people never say, like, hey, you moron. They're like, that's, that's wonderful. That, to be fair, if I was ever at a party where the people, like, someone would say that, and the rest of the people at the party would be like, you fucking idiot, that's not a party I want to be at. That's, that's going to be me a very... you are different people. That's going to be a very stressful party for me. This sounds like the perfect party for me. The, and I think that's why you and I do not go to the same parties. Can you think of any uh, medium or genre or artist or whatever that you probably have done this a little bit with? Is there anything that you cheated your way into... Like conversations. Uh, I'm trying to think. Like probably, uh, probably like some very specific like indie bands that mm. I've just been like, oh yeah, I like I would listen to the album once, and then it was all anyone talked about. And be like, oh yeah, I really like how they sound like Bob Dylan meets the Cars That's, or whatever. Just do a meets. Throw in a, they're like X meets Y. You sound fucking brilliant every time. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's definitely, I get it. Yeah. I think for me, and yeah, I have that thing where I'll listen to an album once and it's just gone. Like it's deleted from my brain immediately. Yeah. Um, but I did listen to it. I should be allowed to talk about it. And for me, I think it's mostly rap. I think that if you hear me talking about rap, there's a real good chance I am blowing it's, it out my ass. Yeah, there, there is a... Or I, hip-hop, as I call it. Yeah, I think rap is one of those genres that you... Like, if you actually know what you're talking about, you can have a good conversation about it. But if you don't, you can get a really long way with just going like, oh, 
his his flow is yes. just impeccable. Plus, uh, again, uh, with and the, the production so good, so clean. The parties that I'm at, there's no way anyone's going to argue with me. The parties, these cocktail parties, no one has ever heard a rap song since like the Sugar Hill Gang. So yeah. who's going to come at me? Oh, I'm from Orlando. We're going to go down to Disney World. Did you think I said that they were in the Sugar Hill Gang? Like, did yeah. you think I exclusively oh, okay. only hang out with the Sugar Hill Gang? Yeah, you're hanging out with Big Bang Hank and uh, the others. The guy with the small penis? Somebody no. has a penis as small as Superman? No, uh, Superman has a small penis, but Big Bang Hank has a big penis, and that's why he is going to cuck Superman and have sex with Lois Lane. See, this doesn't make sense to me. If you say that your penis is bigger than Superman's gigantic penis, that makes sense. Now we have a frame of reference. Right. But now you're just saying that my penis is big, and oh, by the way, Superman also has a tiny penis. Well, speaking of whose penis is big, we're talking about Preacher later. But before we get to that, the best supporting actress, Sushis. Now we're here in the Super Serious Shishi Bullpen. Now we're at this part of the season where the Super Serious Shishi Bullpen actually gets its name and earns it. We are giving away the very special Shishi Awards. Ryan, I'm going to throw it over to you. Tell us which award we're giving away this week. The Shishi today is Best Supporting Actress. And uh, you, you're going to have to stop that right away. I know. I was. I, you don't think I can keep it up for the entire time? No. I, and you know what? I don't want you to. And uh, I think you could do it. I, I just don't think that you should. That's all I want to hear. If you just tell me I can do something, I'm, there's no reason for me to try at that point. Yeah, Once I have your faith, I'm good. I, just, I believe that you can do it, but I think it's better if you don't. Okay. Uh, done. Whatever yeah. you want. It's done. Uh, Taylor, E from Lucifer, Nico from Runaways, the white violin from the Umbrella Academy, uh, Cheryl Blossom, and Agent May were all not nominated. Wow. What blows your mind there? I think Nico from Runaways is I know. The, because she, I, I, I don't know how the rest of the panel voted, but I really feel like on a show that has maybe not the best actors, like it's not the best ensemble we have. You're being very kind. Possibly. Nico is a great actress. Like she really stands out from the beginning. Like she's, she's been great. It got to a point in the second season of Runaways where like it was the only reason to keep watching and it was like a revelation every time. Like yeah. she was just fucking great. Like, I, re- I really want to see uh, more, I think, Lyrica Okana, I believe is that her That is her name. Woohoo! Um, here's who was nominated. These are the important people. Those other five can fuck right off. Uh, Tala Ash, Tala Ashy, who plays Zari on Legends of Tomorrow. Yes! That, this one is very rightly deserved. I feel like we're about to go through this list. I'm going to be like, yeah, there's a reason that Nico didn't make it. But she's incredible. She was never as low as Nate Haywood was. Right. As far as our opinions go. But she didn't come out the barn swinging. I, I started more positive on her than I think everyone else did. But she did improve. I think there's a, a certain amount of time that you have to be on Legends before you hook in. Yes. Because the show Legends took a while before they hooked yes. in on what Legends is. It doesn't even seem like you can just, you can just watch the old ones and be okay. You have to be there in the stadium, like rocking with the other people. Uh, but you noticed it first, what you're saying. So you just yeah. you feel like you're the better I, legend scout than anybody but I, else. But I think the FYC moment, or the one that won everyone over, was the Groundhog Day episode yes. for her. Yeah, it's, like, it's probably one of our ten most talked about episodes in shit history. Uh, your next nominee is last year's winner. It's Dominique Provost-Chalky, who is Waverly Earp on her sister's show. This one, I she deserves the nomination. I think that the amount of time that has passed since, because it, essentially we'd be giving an award for the back half of the same season she already won it right. for. That is exactly right. But I, I feel like we already gave her an award, and it's been long enough since we saw her that she's not as fresh on our minds as being great. She is great. I love her, and uh, you keep giving her weird things to do, like put her in a, a dress and make her do like a, a cocktail lounge singing song. I'm not. Yeah. Like what? Like why? That yeah. that just happens in that show. Um, I, I do have to also mention that um, Alan Tudyk being a male is actually ineligible and cannot win this particular sushi. I'm sure he'll figure it out next week and get locked that one down. Your next nominee is Elizabeth Henstridge, who is Gemma Simmons from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This is another one that I think you are more positive on than I am. But she's great. I like her. She's a, she's a very capable actress. That's the thing, is that um, there's a wide variety of opinions about S.H.I.E.L.D. across yes. uh, all of the people on this show. 
Uh, but she's sort of the like the one through line for all of us that everybody's like, but you know, Simmons is great. Yeah. And and we've gotten a lot of uh, not as drastic as the different uh, uh, Wellses on The Flash, but we've gotten a lot of different Simmonses. She's got to do a lot of stuff, yeah. Um, her counterpart, Fitz, did not win Best Supporting Actor, Actor last week because Alan Tudyk won it. It was his third show sheet of this year. Uh, your next nominee is from the TV show Iron Fist. That's wow. Iron Fist. It's Colleen Wing, played by Jessica Henwick. Yes, uh, absolutely incredible. I love her. She's so good. I, she's about to be in a that underwater movie with uh, Kristen Stewart. And as soon as I found out she was in it, I was like, done. I'm going to watch this movie. Charlie's Angels Uncaged? Yeah. That's what it is? It, that is exactly. I, by the way, I watched 47 Meters Down Uncaged. You did? I, I watched it. A batshit movie. It's it's eighty minutes of absolutely nothing happening, and then ten minutes of what the fuck is happening? Is that the uncaged part? Yeah, that's that's when they that's when they uncage. Your whole thing though is anytime the word uncaged appears in a sequel title, you're there, right? Like, yeah. you don't have a choice really. Yeah, R- Rambo two, First Blood Part three, uh, uncaged. I had to go. Do you remember back when we used to just be able to call you Taylor, and we didn't have to call you Taylor uncaged like you forced us to do now? Well, hey, when, once you uncage cage a Taylor. You're in a safe pen. Uh, and your final nominee is Aubrey Plaza, Lenny Busker from Legion. Ooh, the, I think she's probably my front runner now, now that you've said her name, mm-hmm. and because it's the most recent one that you've said. The only one you can remember, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but she really, like, Legion is a show that we have just absolutely fawned all over, and we have drooled all of our saliva all over it. But Aubrey Plaza is great because she is able to do like some weird sort of emotional things and this season especially was equal parts her being a badass and also being like the only voice of reason in a weird manson cult it's funny that four of the five nominees you've alluded to the fact that they get to do a lot of different things so clearly that helps you get nominated yes um for aubrey plaza i think that for season one and two, she did more of that, like, who knows what I'm doing this episode? And in season three, particularly the episode where she watched her daughter go from birth to death, Ugh. this is when I think we had more traditional acting. And yes. it, it sort of proved that she doesn't need all the gimmicks in order to yeah. have fun and be good. She doesn't necessarily have to do a like dance routine through someone's memories in order to get on our list. But fuck, it really does help you get nominated. I it never really put that together does. before. Yeah, once you do that, yeah, all right, you get a nomination. Once you do that, you never go frat. Fraternity. That's, you never join a fraternity. That's true. Yeah, I, I did that one time when I was four, and I just never joined a fraternity after that. Think about all of the frats you could have been in. Ugh, bro. Bro. And your winner is... For two years in a row, it's Dominique Provost Chalky wow! from Winona Earp. Wow. Yeah, I mean, she, I can't say that she doesn't deserve it. She is incredible, and she crushes every episode. I, I really didn't expect for her to get it this year, but... The shishies are starting to become bunk. Look, <laughs> no, I, no, 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 no. I love no. the shishies, and I'm not <laughs> saying that Waverly Earp doesn't deserve it, but we are... We have our favorites, and we hit what? those favorites so hard. It's ridiculous. Alan Tudyk has three shushies, Taylor. What on earth do you mean? I this is an outrageous thing that you've just said to me, and uh, frankly, I can't even comprehend it. Yeah, it's a little over your head. This is no. There's no way. There's no possible way that we have favorites, and we just keep giving awards to them. I think that this is the most rigorous award-giving process imaginable. Next week, I know we're out of time, but next week we'll go over the whole process with the, the accountant firm and the guy with the briefcase handcuffed to his arm and like all the serious shit we go through. Oh, yeah. And uh, to be fair, that guy's just a guy that we found, and the briefcase isn't locked. But uh, yeah, You don't have to be an accountant to have a briefcase and a handcuff. Yeah. That, uh, frankly, if you are an accountant and have briefcase and handcuffs, Probably a bad accountant. You're probably a pervert. Yeah, that's a that's a bad bad situation. Ladies, do not go on a date with that man. All right, Dominique Provost Chalky, come down to the studio, pick up your Best Supporting Actress award anytime, and your one from last year because you never picked that one up. And now <laughs> we're done with the sushis for the time being. We're going to talk about. Let's take like a week off. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about preacher.
On this week's episode of Preacher, Tulip and Jesus save Cassidy, and then the three hang out at a bar, figure out what to do about Jesse, play asteroids, and fight a demon. Meanwhile, the Saint of Killers finally finds Jesse. He escapes, but goes back to rescue Eugene, only to have Eugene shoot him in the back. All of that and the apocalypse negotiations have begun! We spent a lot of this year's Preacher and Jessica Jones seasons discussing what it takes to be a hero. Who on this show has the right idea of what it truly means to be a hero? Hmm. That's, well, that's the taste buds. That's the thing that I asked. Yeah, you didn't say taste bud in there. What yeah. the fuck, dude? Uh, hey, taste bud. You're buds? ruining years of tradition. Taste bud? Yes, I'm sorry. Question. I'm not being a good taste bud. Um, and also, it wasn't that good of a question either. Like, you're what? really fucking all of this up. I'm. Uh, you know what? I put a lot of work into this show, and I wish that you would show some respect to it. Jessica Jones, a preacher, get off on their complicated, nuanced, three-dimensional heroes, anti-heroes, yeah. whatever. I, I'm not sure who is the best, but I think I'm starting to realize that Jesse is the worst. And I think the reason is because he has this idea of what it is yeah, and keeps doing things that aren't smart or even heroic, but he's got this like thing in his brain because of his dad or whatever that like won't stop him. Yeah. It's, it's that John Wayne thing that the show doesn't do as much as the comics did, but it's like, this is his idea of what a hero is, but that doesn't like, that doesn't make sense. Like that's not good enough. You can't just like fuck over a bunch of people and then do one nice thing. You're like, well, I'm a hero. Right. And the nice thing has to be actually like nice all the way through. Like I think he really, and save going back to save Eugene, that, that, I guess, is heroic and also stupid. But so much of his stuff is like, I think on the surface level, this would look great. And I'm starting to realize that Preacher is sort of commentary on the whole John Wayne thing because it's basically saying that the John Wayne movies never went into detail about like what was actually happening, wh- what was all the ramifications for everything John Wayne did. Right. It was just like, look what he did, that's heroic, right? And if that's the only lesson you're learning, you're not a hero. Yeah, and, and Jesse in this episode... The the two main sort of heroic thi- like one thing is he basically just threatens a guy and is like, I listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some bad stuff, but I don't want to. Help me out. And then he like tells the guy he doesn't study anymore. But that guy's dead. That du- that dude's fucking. That guy's for sure dead. That dude's fucking dead. That was his uh, Anton Shigur moment. Yeah, right. Like that's what he was trying like, to do to the guy. Call it friendo. And yeah, he's just justifying all of his actions. And then, like you said, with the one thing, thinking that the stuttering yeah. thing will get away from it, which actually led to his death. Yeah. I would rather just stutter. Right? I, I, I would love to stutter and be alive. Is it better? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Okay. I, th- I think so. I, are you saying that you would rather die than have a stutter? I, I don't know. Maybe we should test. I know that there's ways to... How, like, uh, explain yourself. How would you test that? I know that there's ways for like you can go and like people can help you lose your stutter. Is there people you can go to to gain a stutter? I'll get my stutter on, and then we'll see if I like that better than death. Okay, and so how often have you experienced death as a control? I can imagine. I've seen movies. I've seen Bill and Ted's bogus journey. You cannot imagine what it would be like to have a stutter. Well, I know what it's like to be alive, and Mm -hmm. if I start the stutter, then I'll say, oh, no, this is worse than life, and I will kill myself. Gotcha. Definitely. That checks out. You don't think I'm going to do it. No, I do, I do not think so, because I don't think that that's a thing that is possible. Remember, if you just say that like you believe that I can, and then I won't do You're it. You're right. Uh, Ryan, I do believe. Yes, Taylor? I, I think that you can do that, but Stop I, it. I think it's a bad idea. I think you're perfect just the way that you are. But you do... You do definitely think that I'm perfect just the way that I am, and you definitely think that I could do the stuttering thing. Absolutely. Then I, I don't feel could, the need anymore. I think you could do the stuttering thing if you want it. The other thing that he does is he goes back for Eugene, but as Eugene points out, you fucking sent me to hell and left me there for, like, years. Like, you don't get to just come back at when it's convenient for you. So we get a pretty nice moment, and it's one of those, like, guys... Saint Killer's just coming. Please keep moving. You don't have time to just sit here in a yeah. car. But they take the time, and Jesse really does apologize. Like I yes. felt it. Eugene felt it. Like I think that Eugene planned on killing him no matter what. Yeah. Which is weird. I don't know why he did. He say run from the Saint of Killers so that Eugene got to do it, not the Saint of Killers. I don't. I feel like Eugene is a little conflicted, but I do think that it was the end goal. Was I, I kind of want to kill this fucker? And you. And this is this is. Uh, Jesse was shot uh, by a guy who was proven not to have the best aim. Like yes. he doesn't really get shit done with guns. Um, and did you buy that he would still shoot him even after this incredible heartfelt apology that even Eugene bought? I yeah, I did actually because like Eugene 
went to hell and was tortured, escaped with Hitler, and then like was tracked down and adopted by the saint of killers. Like you don't. It's a rough life. You don't like you don't get to. And also, uh, Jesse basically destroyed this kid's entire like life that he knew up to that point. So yeah, you don't get to just come back and say, "Hey, I'm sorry, I fucked up, buddy." Made him hang out with Hitler, which, as audience members of Preacher, we know how awful that is. Oh, yeah. for Hitler to be on the show, Eugene knows it better than anybody. And it's again going right back to the stuttering thing of Jesse really just thought that by apologizing he could be vindicated. You yeah. Know? Or what's the religious word like? Cleared of all sins. Yeah. It's uh, absolved. I, yeah, I, I commute your sentence or whatever. And that's not true. No. Not no. according to Eugene. And I actually think that that was the the best part of this episode was you like thank you for the apology. The apology does not make us good. Mm-hmm. Like you there that doesn't uh like wipe away everything else that you did. But no, it is important. I I do appreciate the apology. Yes. Like that I do. I believe the it. The apology is very nice. It was very good. Also, I'm going to kill you. The other, I think, best part of this episode is you mentioned that the apocalypse has begun. Yes. And anytime and preacher does this. Sometimes, like to, to varying results, but uh, loves uh, showing the bureaucracy of the fantasy, right? Yeah. Of the fantasy world. Your Beetlejuice uh, go into the like the undead lobby and have a uh, care worker or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so the arguments begin, and it's Jesus and Hitler and Star. Yeah. And they're they have their their little binders that every negotiation you've ever seen and your name tags. Yep. Has those little binders and those little name tags because we have to go through page by page. It's like, let us begin. I did not see like a, a Danish counter or anything. Was there snacks? That that was the thing that was missing. I feel like there should be like Danishes, a little thing of orange juice, and like just milk in a in a glass. No one's gonna drink that. No one ever touches any of it. No. That the if you work in corporate America, there's somebody at every business whose job it is to dump the entire breakfast table after every single meeting. Oh yeah. Uh, but now they've they've started rolling it because before it was like here's a, a Danish, um, a collection of like assorted fruit, or whatever. Now they're like, what's up, guys? We're a cool, hip, young uh, bureaucratic environment. We've got donuts. No one still eats those donuts. No, they're poison. I'm, they're every fattening, time. and you look like a moron when you're eating in front of people. I just think people look so stupid. Oh yeah, and especially because a donut, because you've got all the flakes that are flying off. And if you're not eating a glazed donut, then what? What the fuck? Are you well, doing? you eat donuts like uh, like cartoon characters eat corn on the cob. Like you yeah. just hold it up and speed through it. So yeah, there's dandruff everywhere. Yeah. Well, I, I hold it on the outside and just circle it around. It's what it's built for. It, that's true. It's it's in a circle. You can just go around the edge. You're the only person that respects the inventor of donuts wishes yeah what about franklin donut cassidy as as far as like being a hero goes i i think that i i like this journey that he's going on like he's still a a piece of shit and he's like i he did all of that stuff on his own and he wanted to be his own dude and now i feel like he is still sort of doing that but he like he's in love with Tulip. That was the whole thing where he was like, "I'm I'm in love with this girl. I can't do this thing." Now he's like, "I don't need Tulip. I'm gonna go save Jesse because Jesse is my friend." And he did the whole Star Wars thing. I'm Han. He's Luke. Yeah, and like straight he upset it. And he like he even put himself in the Han Solo role, which is all right, cool. I mean, of all like everybody wants to be the lead character, except for Star Wars. Everyone wants to be Han over Luke I for mean, sure. Yeah. But I, I did appreciate that thought process. But the the weird thing to me was when the angel comes back out and is like, why are you still here? And th- at that point, he gives a separate reason and says, oh, I'm following love, which I couldn't decide if that was... Jesse Love? Jesse Love, or if he was waffling in between and lying to everyone about the choices he made to like whatever they thought he thought they wanted him to say. But it might be he, he's got Jesse love. A couple of episodes, maybe last episode, um, when he escaped with the angel, yeah. he turned the angel into a vampire, I think. I don't know how yeah, it works with angels. it was real weird. Um, but before that, the angel basically called him out on all of his shit. And it, yeah. was that, it was that typical preacher thing of half interesting, half so on the nose. Thanks for not letting us figure any of it out. But it was a come to Jesus moment for, which is what Tulip wants to do, this entire episode uh, for Cassidy, uh, basically saying that like, you don't think you deserve anything and that's why you do all this bad shit. 
And so what we could be seeing is now the end of his arc. And he realized that, the audience realizes that, and now Cassidy may just be good, which is escaping a lot. And this is fine, but a lot of the horrible shit that the comic book made him out to be. And and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with them skipping all of that. If he's just good now, so be it. Somebody has to be. Yeah. For, uh, we are almost out of time, but let's talk about the road trip with Jesus. Uh, have you ever been on a road trip that started that way? What way? With, like, angel demon fight? Well, uh, that. But I was thinking more along the line. Like, the way that every road trip starts is you're like, all right, we're going on a road trip. Let's do it. Within 10 minutes down the road, you are Jesus in the car. Uh, it was. It's not just road trips, but also a lot of relationships. Yeah. And I don't think Tulip and Jesus are going to end up together. No. But there's this whole thing of, like, when you... When you start like a true ram- true romance, like on the run style relationship, you need to get shot very quickly. Yes. Otherwise, you're going to realize like, oh, we fucked up. This yeah. is boring and stupid and pointless. It's a waste of time. Tulip is very excited because they're going to do the whole like kung fu uh, journey the land. Yeah. Uh, go on adventures. Or walk the earth like Cain. Walk the earth like Cain. And then Jesus says like, oh, like what kind of adventures? And she's like, get high, watch TV. Like that's her plan. Yeah. And, and then she's like realized that that was way too low. She's like, uh, rob a bank. Uh-huh. And then that's way too far. And now Jesus is thinking about shooting a guy in a bank. And you don't want to be that guy. But uh, I liked that they juxtaposed that very boring road trip with the end. Like, it's still the exact same boring road trip. But they're going to talk about, like, the different snakes and koalas that they have in Australia with her and Cassidy. And that is a relationship that can withstand a road trip. What is it about these last couple of episodes that really feel like they're made by, like, the Australian travel guy? Yeah. And it's not just that Australia looks awesome there, but, like, there'll be, like, cutaways to all these, like, luxurious Australian places throughout the entire thing. Yeah, there's, like, I, I don't know, Australia gave us, like, a bit, like, uh, there was a few years ago where, like, everything was shot in Toronto, and everyone was talking about how great Toronto is because they were giving away a lot of, like, tax credits. I, I feel like Australia is doing the same thing. Like, hey, everyone, just talk about how, like, great Australia is. I love that reason for why Toronto is so beautiful. Tax credits. Ta- tax credits. Basically, with our main three, what we have, uh, going back to your initial question, is um, they're all, like, they're all kids post-college traveling, trying to find themselves. And what they're trying to find is, like, the actual hero that they think that they are, who they should be. And yeah. so... Very soon, I hope, we're all going to land in the same spot where they come to the correct decisions about who they are and what they believe in, and then we'll fight the big boss and be out. Uh, quick final question. Uh, do you think that we are going to get a flashback episode about what happened at the uh, Jesus Desaad compound, or are they just going to... like? We don't, we don't have time. Yeah. Yeah. I, it felt like they shot that episode and then just cut the episode accidentally, and we're like, I, I don't know. We don't have enough. I think that there's uh, been like eight things this season, um, some small, some big, where they just they thought they had to include because of the comic book, and come on, guys. It's, you didn't have to do that. Yeah. It, it, like That is the biggest... It seems like so much is revolving around that, and they just were like, ah, he went in and then left, and then uh, like we, cu- we smash cut out of it. Also, don't have two characters with the same name in the same season. That's yeah. two Jesuses. What the fuck? I don't know who come is on. who. All right, well, that is all the time we have for Preacher. Preacher is on AMC on Sunday nights. Now we're going to move on to something called The Tape-In. No! Now we're here in The Tape-In. This is what I call Taylor Uncaged. I'm required to see it. Now is the time where I get to do whatever I want, talk about the things that I want, Every other part of the show, I'm restrained to a very strict script. Everything else that I say is printed out on a piece of paper in front of me, and I have to stick to that. If I don't stick to this, then someone takes a, one of those big cattle prods and they just jam me in the back. And I do not like being cattle prodded. I'm, I'm a weirdo that way. But now I can talk about whatever I want. Ryan, are you excited for this? Are you ready? It's, I'm always a little nervous. I don't get a script for any part of this, so I'm just responding. Am I allowed to respond? Uh, is this the segment where I should have a script and you don't? This sh- actually should be, yeah. But now is the time where we are going to do a little segment called Here's a Thing I Saw This Week. Okay. Like a bird or something? No, 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 no. It's much better than a bird. You know, we can't ever like have us co-do a tape pen because that would be called the Ray Pen. No, yep. Nope. Can't do that. Okay. Can't do that. It's a real Ray Palmer situation. That was just a little on-air production meeting. Sorry. Keep yeah. going. Uh, so... I, this week, uh, I got home from our recording session last week, 
and I opened up Netflix because I was like, I need to watch even more content. Uh, and what popped up right in front of my eyes was a new show on Netflix called Hyperdrive. Yes. Have you watched any of this show? I have, in the last week, hung out with the girls from the Natural 20s. Yep. And they fucking screamed at me about it. It and is. I, there was not even a chance for me to say, girls, I will never watch this. And they didn't care. What they said was uh, Fast and the Furious as a game show. Yes. What I said, and this was one of those we talked about earlier when you say a thing and then you like look it up and find out that everyone else has said that thing. Right. I watched the first episode of that show and went, whoa, this is like American Ninja Warrior for cars. Okay. I then found out that everyone on the internet, including some of the producers of the show, described the show as American Ninja Warrior for cars. Here's the thing, though, and I'm going to edit all of that out that you just said. Yeah. Uh, I bet no one said it on a podcast. So congratulations, Taylor. You go. are the first podcaster to call it American Ninja Warrior. American Ninja Warrior. For cars. For cars. So the premise of the show, if you are not familiar, and really, I'm, I'm telling you guys, you should watch this show. It is a bunch of people go to some place in like the middle of New York. It's like an industrial park. And they all have their different cars. They're from all over the world. And these people were like, all right, we've conducted like this weird like drift track with a whole bunch of obstacles for your car. And the main one that's in every single track is something called the leveler, which is just a thing that you drive up and it like you have to level your car on it and like make it balance, which is a weird thing. And it's very compelling to watch. But there's a whole bunch of like targets that they have to hit only with the back of their car if you hit it with the front of your car time penalty well i mean that's drifting right that well that is drifting yes but like some people would show up and, like not in drift cars and they're like yeah i'm just like a, a regular race car driver and I'm like buddy it's not gonna go well for you but so if there's lights everywhere uh every single person is like a like they have a weird backstory like one like there are two separate people who drive cop cars for no reason they're not they're not police officers but they both have cop cars are they criminals no are not they criminals. from the game grand theft auto there did is, they get a shotgun there is one dude who's in the show who is a legit criminal he's like yeah i've been arrested for reckless driving like 11 times in the last year and they just show clips of him like drive like everyone else is like yes i am a professional racer i get paid to do this this dude's like yeah what's up you guys i'm from texas uh i drive a ford mustang and i'm real reckless and it's just him like real on, reckless it's just him on like streets where he's just like in traffic like drifting in between people like buddy i gotta say if you like your 10th reckless driving charge you should have your license taken away oh yeah you're not learning like the law's not doing what it's no, supposed no, to be no. doing for you yeah like do something better for this guy but here's here's my pitch for this show and here's why all of you should watch it if you like shows like the great british bake-off and you like just seeing people's inspirational stories about stuff this has that in spades and as far as i know i am the only person on the planet who has not watched the great british bake-off pretty much yeah okay. your, your soul is empty mm -hmm. and i've been meaning to talk to you about that for a while it's the red hair but it, the other thing that this show provides that other shows do not is that it is executive produced by Charlize Theron. Okay. And she makes, uh, spoiler alert, the first episode, she shows up. So if you watch this show and you're not aware that Charlize Theron is a part of it, you get to watch an episode of TV where a bunch of people drive cars and then Charlize Theron shows up. If you had said that Hyperdrive is produced by uh, an actor from the Fast and the Furious, Furious series, how many guesses would it have taken me till I got to Charlize Theron? I think, or Carly's Theron, as I call her. Oh, I, like it would have been way too many, right? Like the, you, you never would get to Charlize, but she shows up, and I was like, what? What was the process of of thinking that got to her going? We need a show where a bunch of people fight water with cars. <laughs> that that is a, that is another section of the show. Is like a, a whole bunch of them involved, like here, drive through a bunch of water, or here's a water cannon that's gonna shoot at your car for some reason. I feel like that's one of those ideas that's been around since like the 40s or like since the dawn of TV. Yeah. And only now do we have the technology and the know how and that one criminal from Texas to like make Texas. the show. Yeah. You gotta be able to fight water with cars. Can I tell you something? What? Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm always confused as to what's real and what's not in the yeah. Fast and Furious movies. I sort of thought uh, drifting was not like they didn't make it up. I knew it was yeah. a real thing. 
but the control that they had over it was total bullshit movie magic. I'm I'm finding out be- no. between you and the girls that uh, like this is like a superpower for people. Yes. Like the ability to drift it's, exactly how they want to. And I have to tell you, like I am not a, like they are much more car people than I am. No, stop it. But I have to tell you, if you watch this show, it is like watching magicians. Mm-hmm. Like it is the it's most, competency porn, yeah. but with drifting. And and these aren't even like the most like famous people in the world for drifting or whatever. They're just like a, several of them are just normal ass people who are like, yeah, I just am really good at making my car do things that should be impossible. Like it is more impressive than the stuff that they do on the Fast and Furious. And this is like real life happening. I, okay. And again, I'm sorry. I'm just like new to this whole drifting world. Don't you like? Wouldn't it be that you're just good at all aspects of driving? Or are there people who are like, I can't really drive at all. I don't know how to reverse, but I'm a fucking drifter like a madman. It turns out, yeah, there are some aspects of driving that you can be very good at drifting and dog shit. There's one, there's one dude who, it's it, this is not the dude who's been uh, it, like reckless driving a whole bunch, but there's one dude whose name is, his last name is Shredder. Come on. And he, his entire, his uh, slogan that he uses is checkers or wreckers. <laughs> and what these that, are real people. These are real people. He says checkers and wreckers a whole lot. And what that means is that he drives as fast as humanly possible in ways that are like drifting is a lot about control. He's just fucking gunning it. And spoiler alert, multiple times, he just entirely wrecks his car. Like, he does not finish the race because he just slams his car into a wall. I was listening to this uh, podcast the other day with David Spade. Okay, And he was talking about his early days of SNL and how Rob Schneider was... Rob Schneider? No, that's... Roy Schneider is Jaws. Rob Schneider uh, was like this low, low SNL guy. And then he did making copies. And then shot to the top of the SNL charts. Oh, yeah. And then and left David Spade in the dust. Driver, that's a driver term. And then uh, David Spade had uh, that skit where he was like, bye-bye. And then he launched all the way up because the power of a catchphrase. Is this guy, do you think, just going on the show and knowing that and oh, just saying checkers absolutely. are records constantly? That's, several of the people came in, they were like, I've got to have like a, a catchphrase. His other thing is that before every race, he has a, a two dice, and he rolls them to try and roll a lucky seven. And so obviously... I fucking hate this guy. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it's a lot going on with this guy. <laughs> and so obviously, every time, they roll it, and then it's slow motion, and it stops. And it's always seven every time, because they can just shoot it however many times they need to. We were talking about how Jesse Custer and Jessica Jones are like these three-dimensional nuanced heroes is mr shredder along that same level like is is he does he have so much going on is it too much it's it you know what i think it's too much i think it crosses over into too because some people they have like really nothing going on like one one guy is just like his whole deal is like his wife is there oh that's that's not a fucking character yeah because like her thing was like i'm a mother and i brought my kids along and they're part of this racing journey his deal was his wife is there. Is she proud of him? I think so. I yeah, mean, he's on TV, but eh. but uh, the the one that like really got because they was like that guy's just my wife is here, and then another guy was like, yeah, my friend died in a drifting accident, so I teach people better drifting so that they wouldn't die in those accidents. Okay, that's an eighties action movie. I like that guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that that guy's kick ass. And you believe them all. This is not scripted. No, because you don't get that guy and then also have, uh, my wife is here. Yeah. Like, so, the fact that some of them are phoned in tells me that these are real. I have to ask, you sat down after a long day at work, turned on Netflix, saw this. Um, Taylor, how many episodes are there and how many do you have left? Here's the did thing. Did you do them all? I, I did do them all. And there are so many more episodes than you would expect. <laughs> Because they do. Because I would think half of one would be my guess. And then we've covered the entire thing. It's a competition, and they have eliminations. And there are four qualifier rounds. And then after the four qualifier episodes, they then go into, and now there's 12 drivers, and we're eliminating one or two an episode for the rest of the show. We watched all of them in two days. Um, Before... uh when I was hanging out with the girls from Unnatural 20s, Caitlin and Cassie, listen to the show, it's very good. Yeah. Uh, we were at a Buffalo Wild Wings um, just before we went to go see Lil Wayne and Blink-182 live in concert. Uh, Lil Wayne canceled, like we all knew he of would, course, so yeah. it was just Blink. Um, a Honda Odyssey pulled into the parking lot, and they both started freaking out. It's like a van, right? Yeah. And apparently, 
because they know all about this shit. It's a legendary drifter. Yeah. It's like one. How how can that be true? That's that in this show. There's a dude who shows up in a Lamborghini Huracan, and everyone's like. Look at this fucking idiot. And the dudes who are winning are driving like a 1993 Nissan. And they're like, I am going to fucking destroy you. Like, drifting's a weird world, you guys. The other weird thing is that they repeatedly referred to one of their obstacles as Pipe City, which sounds like a sexual term. It does, yeah. I'm going to take you to Pipe City. But not as much as the other Netflix show, Blown Away, about glass blowers, mm. where I found out that the furnace they use is called a glory hole, and they never address it. Oh, we didn't talk about that in the preacher segment. Yeah. How was that this episode where Eugene almost got glory hold right in his freak mouth? Yep. All right. Yep. Sorry. Keep going. Uh, and that's all the time we have for the tape in. Now we're going to move on to the rest of the glory holes. Now we're here in the poll list, the part of the show where we talk about every other show that we watched this week. Kicking it off is The Boys. On the fifth episode of The Boys, the gang heads to the Believe Expo. And we get to see all of the ties and analogs this world's superheroes have to Christianity. It turns out Homelander may have a bit of a god complex. Starlight uses the expo to call out all of the hypocrites that run it, and also call out the Deep for putting his dick in her face. Meanwhile, A-Train kills Popclaw, and Black Noir tries to kill the female. But she has super healing. Oh, good. Yeah. Taste Buds ask you this. Does it make you nervous to have an episode of, Gar- of a Garth Ennis property give its views on religion? Oh, uh, very much so. That I'm, I'm, I think that's the reason I didn't watch this episode. Here's the thing. I, like, Ooh. I think that it would be, it would come off as very tired if he hit it as hard as he used to in the nineties. Yes. Um, and I think that we would all sort of roll our eyes. Even the, the least religious of us, as I believe that I am, um, would find it tired. This was, this did a good job. Wasn't like hard hitting, wasn't a ton of yeah. new ground, but did a better job at like the people who run these big religious things where they're charging people $25,000 to get backstage. Oh, yeah. All these like giant churches that are popping up all over Southern California. The people behind that uh, are bullshit. Not necessarily yeah. believing in God it's, or anything like that. It's not like Bill Maher level. Right. Like, if you believe in religion, you're a fucking idiot. And yeah, that's so uh, click-giddy to me, you know? Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not even sure if you believe your lack of belief as much as you say that you do, you know? Yeah. So... uh you mentioned Black Noir is is active in this episode. He did a thing. Did did we find out any more about his backstory or character? And I hope the answer is no. No, not absolutely Good. not. He Good. pops up in an alleyway uh, where the female and Frenchie are. Um, he destroys the female, and then he's he's a pretty good fighter. We did find that out. Okay. In order to beat the female, you sort of have to be. And then um, she heals herself. She like she's basically ripped in half. Heals herself, and then Frenchie says, "Oh my God, it's a miracle." As if this was the true religious moment of the episode. Oh. Nothing that happened at the Believe Expo. Oh. Yeah. Wow. That's very deep. Um, the boys really, really digging in. I, wanna, I want your opinion on this. Yes. Huey has to convince somebody that he's gay. Okay. And so he starts talking like he thinks a gay person would. Oh, no. And I want your opinion on this line. He does, there's no lisping. There's okay. no like, uh, limp wrist or anything like that. Okay. But he's, uh, he's trying to tell the, the, the person that, like, that, uh, that runs the Believe Expo that they have had sex before. He's got evidence. And he says, no, you did have sex with me. You played my butt like jazz with what? poise and skill and willingness to improvise. What? what? <laughs> Scale of 1 to 10, Taylor. Where does that line land? That is, you played my butt like jazz. I I don't know that any gay man in the last fifty years has listened to jazz. Uh-huh. So I don't think that, that that checks out. Otherwise, the overdramaticness of it, I I buy. That that bit, yeah. Uh is it is it Huey not understanding gay culture in like an innocent way or like a too try hard, oh, I'm not gay sort of way? I, I think that is a very Huey is an inept person uh-huh. way. I, I don't think that that is a I'm 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 too straight to be gay like that's not a I don't think that that's a thing that even this show would think is a good idea and Huey uh, he does listen to jazz he the problem is that he like left all of his Armstrong albums out overnight and so uh, Huey's Dewey Louie uh, can't listen to them anymore. How how long ago did you come up with that? Just now, I just thought of that right now. No, how because you how said long Huey, ago? and then I was like, oh my god, Dewey and Louie. How 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 long ago? Like, what point in the week did you come up and write that down? You asked about homicidal babies before the show yes. started. 
Uh, were these homocidal babies? No, they were not. <laughs> Fuck. Um, so Butcher finds out that all superheroes are cooked in a lab from birth. Of course. And picks one up and squeezes it and lasers come out of its eyes. And that's how he kills all the bad guys. Oh, yeah. fuck. That is that is a great episode of television. Do you have a moment of the week from that episode? My moment of the week, and I'm not sure if it's because I love it or hate it, but I'm going to tell you about it. Um, Homelander, for the entire season, has been uh, peering through walls and watching Elizabeth Shue breastfeed. Yes. And she finally catches him doing it and tells him to come in. And she sits on the couch and he lays on her lap and she opens her shirt up and then sticks her fingers in his mouth and he sucks on them. Probably because even this show knows that for her to actually breastfeed him would be a little too much. Yeah. But I had my theories about Homelander and his feelings about uh, this baby and Elizabeth Shue. I'm... I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on anymore. Oh, boy. That is upsetting, and I wish that I had never heard it. The Boys is on Amazon Prime. Your next show this week is Pennyworth. Uh, This week on Pennyworth, a character named Ripper sends Alfred to a witch who gives him magic clues to find Esme's killer. Meanwhile, Martha and Patricia Wayne attend a Satanist party with famed magician Aleister Crowley before waking up naked in a clearing, and Lord Harwood's memory returns. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Why is this show suddenly introducing magic into the mythos? Yeah, and I don't think this was built up. Like, no. I think it was just all of a sudden. It was, up to this point, the show has, from my understanding, just been, this is like a gritty spy thriller. Now, suddenly, there's witches and magic. I mean, I guess they, like, there were notes from the studio, and they said, we need more comic book stuff, and this is the route that they chose? I guess. What are magic clues? Like, uh, basically... Like she, what the leprechaun gives you to find Lucky Charms? Yeah. Basically, she was like, hey, I will tell you who the killer is if you bring me the right hand of a motor- murderer and, like, a lone rose or some shit like that. Okay, so, like, classic witch recipe, I have yeah. newt, blah, blah, blah. And so then she took that, made some sort of tea, and he sipped it and, like, got v- psychic visions of, like, a person that he thinks might be related now. So just fucked up on mushrooms. She's yeah, not a witch. pretty much. She's just high. Yeah, well, I mean, the witch is apparently, like, you can probably say that, like, the Satan party where they see, like, a demon with six eyes, uh, that was probably some sort of drug because she wakes up in the, naked in a field. And then, uh, hey, now, you're an Alistair Crowley. Where yep. are we at with this? Vi- this is a real guy. Yes, who existed, real guy. And was, like, so, I, don't, I don't know if he was mainstream, but, like, sort of the first famous dark artist. Yeah. I, was he a Nazi or like how does how are we supposed to feel about him today? I don't know because I feel like I'm not as familiar with his entire life, but I do think that like while he himself never like did a bunch of murders, a lot of people who were like friends with him later it was found out they did some murders. Like Charlie Manson didn't kill anybody, right? It sounds like you're describing Charlie Manson. Actually, yeah, pretty much. But but like. It, I, it's very much a thing of like, he was like, oh, hey, I didn't know that these guys were like that. They just came and hung out at my secret mansion and we did a bunch of blood rituals and then he left and then he killed his wife. Okay, so that's you're free not, to go. That's, that's not on me. Why didn't Manson use that excuse? Right? Like, I don't understand. It seems like an uh, open and shut c- case. Does what, this make you more or less likely to watch the show? Like, I I think I'm going to check and see before next week and see, like, all right, are, is there more magic in the next show? And then maybe I'll watch it because that sounds crazy. Of all the shows we watched, did you think that the most likely crossover would be Sabrina would pop up on the show? No, I, I would not have guessed that Sabrina infiltrates Pennyworth, but here you are. <laughs> Nat, the, Pennyworth is on Sunday nights on Epics, which is a channel that you can get. Your next show this week is Jessica Jones. On the 11th episode of the third season of Jessica Jones, it's called AKA Hellcat. And although we don't see Trish put on the less than iconic blue and yellow superhero suit, we do spend the entire hour with her as she runs behind the scenes of the last two episodes of Jessica Jones. What this Trish episode does that the last one didn't was also include flashbacks of her as a child actor and Rebecca DeBornay as her momager. The episode is clearly trying to use her childhood and her relationship with her mother to compare and contrast with the woman Trish grew up to be. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Did they do a good job of that? Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, I would say yeah. so. Uh, one, it took me a while to figure that out, what they were doing. That's good. Anytime a show can like, yeah. sort of make you think for a little bit, uh, instead of just like, say it with subtitles on, this is what we're doing, neon arrows pointing to everything. Um, but the, I think that the inclination is to get very pissed off that with two epi- three episodes before this one left of Jessica Jones ever, yeah. that they would do this, have a Trish-centric episode. But um, I, I love the flashbacks. I loved how exactly how Rebecca De Mornay is a momager because it's, yes. it's not screaming and yelling. It's very manipulative uh, as much to her. She's actually more real with her daughter about what they're doing. But the way that she can like manipulate uh, casting directors and yeah. basically the world. And Rebecca De Mornay is great at that. She is, yes. In real life. Yeah. yeah. That, well, that's I, I'm thinking of, uh, have you ever seen The Hand That Rocks the of Cradle? Of course. I, directed by Curtis Hanson, director of LA Confidential, Taylor? Yes. It's, it's a fucking great movie, and she is incredible in that movie. And yes. that's what I think of anytime I think of this character and her manipulations, is how good Rebecca De Mornay is in that. With, uh, I mean, it's like a, a classic 80s sort of like fatal attraction-ish single white female thriller. But yeah. the thing that she does so great is... Uh, you can see and feel the brain being devious, but the face is so smiley and kind that she gets away with all of it. Oh, yeah. Like, she she has that, like, way of making her face just go blank in a way that, like, if you do it in any other situation, it is fucking terrifying. But she's like, eh, yeah. And, like, your Crowleys and your Mansons, not that she told people to murder people, but, uh, I like, she has this way of making you believe that, like, if you went against her you'd be an idiot. Like, yeah, she just convinces you just in like quick conversations. It's like, Oh, I should do whatever you say. This is like a very good thing for me. This is, I'm coming out on top here. But the important thing too, is that, and this wasn't necessarily in the show, but you could, you could sort of tell that at night she pours a glass of wine and then another one and then another one. So the demons of all the shit that she did don't like attack her brain. And I think that's what Trish is doing now is that Trish has these goals and knows that, the way that she's accomplishing them are bad, you know, like yeah. she is, uh, she's a rookie compared to Jessica Jones telling her that like, this is not how you do it. She keeps going anyway. And then, you know, has to have that wine or whatever to like, not ever think about the details of what she's doing. Yeah. And that is, uh, as much as the second season of Jessica Jones tanked and the third season, I feel like hasn't lived up to the first season. That's a very interesting aspect to go for. And mm. I feel like this is the stuff that people were clamoring for. And now we won't get to see any more of it because Netflix is done with Marvel. And it's not just a TV trope. It's a real life trope. The more that you hate your parents or despise them or are disgusted by them, uh, the more of a guarantee you will become exactly like them. Oh, yeah. 100%. Ryan, do you have a moment of the week? My moment of the week is uh, anytime that there is a song sung by P- uh, Patsy. Uh, whether it's I Want Your Cray Cray or here we, we get the theme song for It's Patsy, it's going to be my moment of the week. And there's this, like this rip-roaring 90s version of it, just like a TGIF theme song that I'm probably going to listen to a lot in the future. Oh, well, I cannot wait to listen to that immediately after this podcast. Jessica Jones is on Netflix. It's almost over. We're watching it week by week, so watch it before it is the end of Marvel Netflix. Now, we're moving on to our final show of the week, Fear the Walking Dead. This week on Fear the Walking Dead, as Alicia struggles to find her new role in the convoy, she ponders the, if you're reading this, you're still here signs. A simple scouting trip is derailed when she and Strand are thrust into a conflict between two survivors who fucked each other over because of a book manuscript. Meanwhile, Morgan and Al lock some tapes in a bank and hit a roadblock run by Logan, who goes back to the bank and does a heist for the tapes to find the location of the oil fields. Taste buds, I ask you this. Which Fear the Walking Dead character do you think you would do a heist with the best? Ooh, that is a good question. I feel like the new Alicia with that leather jacket, I would do a good heist with because I feel like she's a good, like, wheel man or, like, muscle. But I also feel like I could go with, uh, I cannot remember the uh, the character's name, but the cowboy. Uh, cowboy Dan. Yeah, Cowboy Dan. Uh, I feel like Cowboy Dan would be a good bank heister. What about you? I uh, Alicia's hard to beat. Uh, I have a special affinity for Al because yeah. we just happened to watch a show that like featured her the entire time. Uh, but I don't know how great she would be in a heist. The the problem with her in a heist is that anytime anyone says anything, like it's like, oh, what what are you doing? This who are you? She immediately goes, well, you can call me Al. And then I was so like, hard. It's like Chevy Chase is here now. What is going on? It's like, come on, you can't. Don't do that. Alicia though, uh, 
we don't really have the term Mary Sue anymore, right? Like, it had its time. Yeah. Sexist took it over, used it as an excuse for everything, and now we don't do it. Yeah. Um, and so I'm glad, because now we can talk about Alicia and how dope she is instead of using that stupid term. Yes. Um, but yes, post-mom death, taking over the crew, leather jacket Alicia is uh, yeah. much more capable at everything than I am. And uh, this episode, she is, because we've seen now a couple of times those trees that are painted with, if you're reading this, you're still here, which is, they're like, oh, yeah, I guess I am still here. Like sort of uh, post-apocalyptic chicken soup for the soul. Yeah. And we find out in this episode that one of the guys who is like in this feud over a book manuscript for no reason is the guy who has been writing those. Uh, and he, like, after he kills the other guy, he's like, fuck it, I don't even want the manuscript. He can keep it, and, like, leaves. And so she's, like, devastated. So now Alicia is writing her own, and I, I can't remember what the phrase that she puts on it is. Something like, fly, you're still gone unless you're not, or something like that. <laughs> so it's like, I want the exact sentiment, but I don't want to get sued for trademark or copyright laws. It, it so really I'm just going to change each word and move them all around. It really is just like, what if we tweaked this a little bit and still painted it on trees? What about like, if you're still here, uh, consider a new Alicia on life. You know what? I wish that you were writing for Fear of the Walking Dead. Me too. And so do the writers of Fear the Walking Dead. Do you think Fear so? The, Fear the Walking Dead is on Sunday nights on AMC. Coming up pretty soon. It's it's going to go away, and then The Walking Dead will come back. It's just a never-ending cycle. It's like The Bachelor, Bachelorette. Anyway, that is all for this show. Next week, we are going to be talking about Will Charlie meet The Walking Dead's first rabbi? Will Trish finally kill Salinger? Ooh, maybe. Who knows? And who will be the best actor of the year? Because we're giving away that shishy. So tune in for that episode next week. But for this week, I am Taylor for Taylor. I'm Ryan for Ryan. I am Greg for Greg. He's gone, and we are the world! So my other favorite thing about Hyperdrive is there's one dude who... Uh, it's, a, it's a drift competition. I've heard. He, he brings the largest possible like old old Cadillac like a 60s Cadillac that he has um, just like painted a bunch of like American sayings on he's he's from France he's not an American man but he's like he's obsessed with American culture the way that like some American people are obsessed with like Japanese culture so if we were French obsessed with French we'd be a Francophile yes what is he then he's a an Amerigo Vespucci file okay I believe uh, uh, but so he like he wears like a, 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 a American flag bandana. He's got I think part of the Constitution like written on his car, uh, and the car just fucking breaks immediately. Like it like the wheel just snaps. Knowing nothing about drifting, uh, being shocked that the Honda Odyssey would be a good choice for this competition. It seems like a giant Cadillac would be the fucking worst thing you could possibly pick. It really isn't a great choice, especially because some of the competitions that they have to do are just drive in between these very narrow walls, and he had the widest car there. It's it's not going to work, buddy. Is it that classic comedy scene where you drive you're driving through the alley and then the alley like stops the car? That that is legitimately one of them. Is it gets narrower and narrower until there's like some wooden boards so that you don't just like run into a brick wall. You didn't tell me. Like, what jersey are you wearing? You bought the jersey, the hat, you have a banner, like a little pennant when you watch. Who are you going for? Uh, I was all aboard. Uh, basically, any of the women who made it to the end, I was like, go you. If not them, uh, Axel Francois, one of the policemen, who uh, his car, uh, from like the... Se- he A, he raced in every single episode because he never got high enough to like jump straight to the qualifiers but he also never like exited once he got into the knockouts okay uh from the second episode he was on his car was overheating and just like streaming steam out and he was like every episode he would come in like we'll see if the car makes it through this race and it always did but every every time the next episode it would be a little bit worse shape until the very end he like the last episode he backs into the garage and it lit on fire (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this guy seems very hard to root against. Like, right? I can see why you would pick him. And then, and then there was the guy who uh, his friend died in a drifting accident. So you can't not love that guy. Yeah, it's just the whole like. I, I would like it a lot better if he. I guess it would be more eighties action if he now drifted so he could join his friend. 
There's oh. something about teaching people how to drift better that is kind of like, <laughs> yeah. well, I don't care. I'm trying to die so that I can say hi to Joe. <laughs> and then come right back down, I hope. Hopefully I can just leave heaven after I say hi to Joe. Yeah. You make me feel like I'm just leaving from heaven with friend Joe. My friend Joe.